I'm going to talk about the promise of rescue today that kind of goes along with the message that Fuller has shared with us already today that was absolutely outstanding. You know, a few years ago, I was doing some little Christmas shopping and found myself wandering around the amazing Christmas displays in Middleton Hall. Have you had a look there this year? It's just amazing the detail um, that they go to there. And it was absolutely heaving with people everywhere. And as I was walking around admiring the gifts and the displays and uh, the craft stalls and all the different kind of beautiful things that were shining and glimmering and just dragging people's attention... You know, my eyes fell across a small display in the corner. It was the nativity scene. Um, you know, the manger type scene, like, like the one you have uh, just uh, on the screen there. And uh, I, I can remember thinking, I can't believe just, um, you know, that the true reason for the season has somehow has been reduced in size, significance and importance compared to everything else on display here in, in this huge, huge hall. And as I was thinking about that, I thought it's the truth really. Today, isn't it, that, you know, the story of Jesus is somewhere amongst the numerous options that Christmas throws at us every single year, especially from the commercial aspects of Christmas and all the stuff you need to make a great Christmas, you know, and, uh, but obviously Compared to everything, all of this, you know, there's just this reduction of size of the true meaning, which was challenging to me. And as I, you know, thought about that, I thought, you know, the Christmas story and even the nativity, the Jesus is just a nice story to so many people buried amongst all of this. And as I was standing there pondering that, I heard a lady just who had obviously come alongside of me and she said, my God, Erica, They're even dragging religion into Christmas now. I couldn't believe my ears. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. See, the true meaning of Christmas is about what God did for us in Jesus Christ, isn't it? That baby in a manger and what Jesus came to do. And we need to understand this, friends. If we're thinking about Sharing this with the world, we need to understand what Jesus came to do. And the answer to that question is found in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Where the angel of the Lord, the Bible tells us, came to a man called Joseph. And this is what he said to him. He said, you shall call his name, the baby in a manger, Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now what's the significance of these words? The angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, which means Yeshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation. Not might be, not could be, but is. Yahweh is salvation. And by calling him Jesus, they were saying that God is saving his people through Jesus. Not through anyone else, not another name, not another religion, but the way that God is saving his people is through this Jesus, through this baby in the manger, through what he was about, through his mission, through his life. Well, the Bible boldly declares, friends, that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
There is no other way. Even Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father or comes to the Father but by me. It's echoed there. The angel went on then to specifically say that Jesus would save his people from their sins. What does that mean? Well, as I had a quick glance through the scriptures just over this last week, the Bible actually instructs us in Romans 23, uh, 3.23, it says, all of us have sinned. Now, let's, let's face this, that's all of us. There's not one person here who hasn't sinned. We've all done things wrong. We've all said some things wrong. We've all maybe thought some things wrong. We've all maybe had some attitudes that you know, as well as I do, it's wrong. It was wrong, and nobody taught you to sin. It came from within you. You know, nobody taught your kids to sin, did they? Nobody taught, I didn't teach my kids to do wrong things. There's no school or class that taught you that. It came from within you. The Bible actually says in Isaiah 53 that we've all like sheep have gone astray. All of us. Each of us has turned to our own way. And quite simply, my friends, that means he's saying that nobody actually seeks God for guide and wisdom and what they should say and how they should live. Nobody seeks God in that way. We all think we know better. That's what he's saying. And we walk away from God, not to him. And God's word informs us that sin has numerous destructive effects in our lives. It makes us feel guilty before God for the wrongs that we've committed. It makes us feel guilty inside, even the small things that we do, because our conscience condemns us. Your conscience condemns you. That's the work of sin. It enslaves us, the Bible says. It's like a power. It has a a compelling force, a stronghold. It holds us. We can't break free from it. And the cycle repeats time and time again in our lives. There's no escape. It corrupts us. It causes disharmony, disharmony, disunity, decay, and even death is its final reward. And the worst thing of all, the Bible says it separates us from God forever. It separates us from Him. Here in Matthew 1.21, the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. No matter how much we try to think we're good enough or we think we can reach God or be good, we are going to miss the mark every single time in our own strength. That's the leaning of the word. And the Bible reveals that no one is able to meet the standards of a just and righteous, perfect or holy God. Not in one of us can stand and approach Him. We would be obliterated in nanoseconds in the presence of such a holy God. We are unable to even obey God's laws. You don't need me to tell you that, do you? We're unavailable. Uh, sorry, we're, we're unable to obey God's laws or to live the life He called us to live. And we know that because God commanded us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we've missed the mark there because we love other things and treasure other things. We worship created things rather than the Creator Himself. 
we kind of find ourselves, God commanding us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we miss the mark there. We fall short of that too. And we have become selfish and self-centered. And our opinions and our place and position sometimes in arrogance causes so many problems. We've missed the mark. We could go down the list of all the commandments in this book and we have continually fallen short. We've missed the mark. And I think Romans 3.23 summarizes it when it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, the majesty, the just, righteous, holiness of God. And because we've sinned, We must pay the penalty of our sins, right? That's just normal. I can remember, as I said in the second service, I was driving my car one day down a road and suddenly it was like the angel of the Lord appeared in my rear mirror. There was a huge flash of light. I just went through a speed camera if you need the interpretation. (laughs) I tell you, I was on the Lord's business. I'd got a place to go and somebody urgently needed to see me. Do you know, the law didn't really, they didn't concern themselves with that. They were not interested. I tried it, but it didn't happen. I was three miles an hour over the limit and I deserved punishment. Hello? Why? Why? Because I broke the law. If you break the law, you deserve to be punished, right? Nobody escapes that. And so I was fined. Not very pleasant for a pastor to admit that before his people, right? (laughs) Just normal, guys. And because we sinned, we must pay the penalty for our sins. And one of the most clear, consistent messages of the Bible is that there are consequences for your sin. Oh, yes. You don't escape that. We don't escape that. God told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden right at the beginning to obey him and not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he said, the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. Wow, that's pretty final, isn't it? Romans 3.23, we've said this, so 6.23 is there. The wages of sin is death. In Ephesians 5 verse 6 in the New Living Translation speaks of sins when it says, because of these things, sins, the wrath of God rightly comes upon the sons of disobedience. And so because we have sinned, we've missed the mark that God commanded us. We are guilty, friends, and we deserve punishment for our sin. I was reading this and studying this this week, and I thought there's not much hope there, is there? There isn't much hope for any single one of us. However, in Matthew 1.21, we see hope as the angel says this to Joseph as he speaks. He says, you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. He's the one who's going to come and do this, which means Jesus will save his people from the penalty of sin. He's the one who's going to come in and he will, not might, not could, but he will. He's going to do it. He's the one who comes. He's God in the flesh. He's God's salvation, God's provision for the penalty of sin. See, the truth is this, friends, that you and I are loved by God and we're created by God and for God and we were made for fellowship with God forever. Can you imagine that? 
forever in fellowship with God. But the Bible reveals that our sin caused a separation between God and us. And it made us guilty of sin. And we deserve a, the judgment or the punishment of a holy God. That's just the fact. So here's a dilemma, isn't there? That's God's dilemma. It's our dilemma. Here's God who loves us because he's loving, but he's also just. And he's a holy God who cannot just let sin go unpunished. This is the message of the gospel. And the Bible tells us this, and this is why I say there's hope there. So God solved the dilemma by taking the initiative himself. Praise him. In his great love for us, while we were dead in our sins and trespasses, the wonderful good news is this, that God sent himself, God the Son came to become a man, Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger, but he was born with the purpose of dying on the cross to pay. He was the sacrifice that paid for our sins. And I think 1 Peter 2.24 says it beautifully. He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that you and I could be reconciled to God. Our judge loved us and he paid the penalty for our sins. That's the God we serve. I once heard a story of a judge in the UK who had a homeless man come before his court. And he was charged with stealing Um, Some cards, I think it was, from a shop. And he'd also got other transgressions, other uh, sins that could have been bought or or other issues that were there judging him. And the judge was compelled by law to find the man guilty because the evidence was against him. And it was required to find the man. So he did because that was what he deserved. Right there, he had to be a just judge. But also... At the same time, the story goes, this judge felt compassion for this homeless guy, penniless man. So after finding the man guilty, the judge reached inside his own pocket and he took out his own wallet. And right there and then, he paid the money that was required. He paid the fine which the man could not have paid himself. Friends, this is what God of the universe has done for us. This is the facts. This is what he did for us. He's a just judge who could by no means just ignore sins, but he also loved us and he wanted to forgive our sins as Follis talked about today. And so he made the only payment that would suffice to atone for our sins, the payment that only he could make by dying on the cross for our sins. Only he could do this. Only God could do this. And when he did, he totally paid the penalty for our sins. Kind of hearing our man. And you might remember when he hung on the cross and Jesus cried out those words, It is finished, meaning the Greek word to tell us die, which means paid in full. In other words, the penalty for our sins is now paid in full by my death on the cross. And that moment, Jesus Christ, the perfect son of the living God, accomplished your rescue. He accomplished it. And many people think of religion as if they, 
they do enough kind of things, good things, religious things, they can somehow make themselves right with God. You can't do anything to make you right with God. You can't do enough good things to make you right with God. It is not in the power of yourself to do anything right with God. The Bible just makes the declaration, there's no one amongst us who's righteous enough. All our righteousness is actually like filthy rags in the sight of this holy, just, perfect God. We don't stand a chance of getting there if it wasn't for Jesus. And it's not anything that you've done or could do, but it's about what Jesus has done, as Fuller said this morning. And true religion is receiving the justification that Jesus bought for you on the cross. And by believing in that, God's Word tells us that we are justified. Everybody say freely. Freely, friends. This is the good news. You have been justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. This is good news. This is the good news. A number of years ago, I, I, I took a, a family holiday and we traveled w- with my guys down to, down to Talibont in Wales. If you've never been, you should go. It's a beautiful place. Miles of sandy beaches to walk on. It's great why the weather's great in Wales, as many of you know if you've ever been there. If it, 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 but it's not often. that Usually it's raining, right? It is when I've been there. And I was there and we were going on holiday with my parents and they were traveling separately. And I can remember arriving there, you know, and going to the office to, to, to settle the bill. And, and I... I, I, I arrived there. The lady said, what's your name? She took my name, you know, and looked up at me, looked down at me and typed away and looked up at me again. And with a smile on her face, she said, it's okay, it's been paid. Here's the keys. Enjoy your week. I said, what? As you would. She said, no, no. The, the price has been paid. The bill's been paid. Here's the keys. It's paying in full. Enjoy the week. I thought I hadn't had to open my wallet. I was 600 quid better off from, the, from that first day. My I, joy filled my heart. I came alive. I thought this is going to be a great week. Wait till I tell the story. And I walked out of that office fully justified, if you like. My bill had been paid by somebody else, and I walked away free, right? To enjoy an amazing week. A bit later, I can remember wandering down to my mom and dad to see them. They arrived a little bit earlier, and my dad had one of those smiles on his faces that, you know, you ones you can't hide. And I said, Dad, did you pay the bill? And he looked at me, his eyes just, gosh, I'll never forget, his eyes full of love for me. And he said, I paid for it. I love you, son. And you, you know that everything I have has always been yours. That was, like, that was my dad. I want to tell you the same is true with your heavenly father. This is how God treated us. And who the son sets free, I'm telling you, is free indeed. You have no idea. So friends, you don't have to try to perform religious works to pay the penalty of your sins and your transgressions to make you right. Before God, Jesus already paid the price. Believe in Him, the Bible encourages. 
And as you do, you are in right standing before God, justified before Him. It's amazing. And it goes on because Romans 8, 1 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is none. And Jesus came to totally pay the penalty for the sins of His people. That's all those who believe in Him. Past, present, and future. And you are in right standing with God. Welcomed into His presence. Standing confidently before Him. As His beloved child. Forever can I hear an amen. Forever. What a promise. You shall call His name Jesus. For He will save His people from their sins. And I thank God today. That's my story. The promise is for everyone who believes in Him. Now, wouldn't that be a great gift to receive this Christmas if you've never received Christ? And if you have, I am telling you, you should be swinging from this ceiling this morning because you're free. You're not condemned. You're loved. If you've never given your life to Jesus, to my left and to my right, we've got people here who'd love to talk to you, to pray with you. We're here for you. We love you and we want you to meet Jesus in the same way that we have met him. You know, and all of us, church, these messages are to help us share this message with others, the promises of Christmas. It's not just for us. Give the gift away. Give it away. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great, great week. Hey, don't forget your tickets for Christmas Eve. And also, if you're coming back 4.30, we're going to have an absolute blast tonight. God bless you. Have a great week.